0: Empires Blood and Crystal, Part Nine. Hard, sand dusted earth scuffed Song's cheek as she tumbled to the ground. She spat and cursed as she rolled over, but even as she projected vitriol to the two guardsmen who cast her so recklessly into the roadway, they simply smiled and retreated behind a barred door. Try not to get yourself killed until you've paid what you owe, one of them winked, a sly smile spreading across his sun reddened face. They say the debtor's hell is one of the worst. Oh, piss off with your superstitions! Song sneered, but as she attempted to regain her footing, she staggered and slumped against the wall. The sun-blotched guard seemed to find that particularly funny, and spluttered out a phlegmy laugh at her expense. She sneered again, used the wall to stand upright, cursing this time about her own weakness. It didn't matter that she had barely escaped a beheading, that she had been trapped in a cell for the past few days, or that she had eaten nothing and only drank what little water they had sloshed into an oily trough in her cell. She derided herself, and wanted nothing more than to pierce the sunburnt guard with her dagger. Of course, her dagger had been stolen by that damned executioner as compensation for letting her keep her head. Good luck, anyway, the red-faced guard smirked pausing only briefly before retreating into the shadow of the indoors. His folks like you would keep us fed and watered. She spat after him, but her arid mouth wouldn't relinquish a single drop. She settled instead for another common tongue curse. She had hoped to goad him back and grab a fist of his shirt through the bars, to enact revenge on him for what the Imperials had done to her. But as his footsteps faded into the dark, so too did her ire wane. She turned to the street cradling her arm as the pain in her wrist made itself fresh. After her stint in the cell, she had been taken to a forge before release. A searing iron band had been fastened around her wrist, signifying to all that her freedom was forfeit. She had managed to ignore the pain as she had fought with the wrangling guards, but now that she was alone in the street with the slowly meandering layfolk, the pain came back twofold. Wincing prematurely, she risked a glance at the damage. The iron was tight on swollen flesh, rimmed with seeping blisters. It made her ill to even look at it. She wondered if she might be able to remove it once the swelling relaxed. As her finger teased the iron band, she balked at the lance of pain and reconsidered. From what she could see, even when recovered, she wouldn't be able to remove it without breaking a few bones in her hand. Still, that was a small price to pay for her freedom. She certainly wouldn't be getting out of the walled city with it still affixed to her arm. Every guard knew what it meant. She set off gingerly down the road, less concerned with how she would accrue 50,000 gold pieces than how she might escape her fate entirely. Even then, the more pressing matter was how she might survive the night, buy food or find clean water. Feeling vulnerable and not wanting to attract any attention from the locals passing down the dusty thoroughfare, she kept her eyes low. "'Occasionally, however, the sensation that she was being followed or watched "'would draw her gaze up, and when she did catch the eyes of another, "'it was they who looked away first. "'It seemed even the civilians recognised the iron band of a convicted criminal "'and wanted less to do with her than she did with them. "'As she reached a crossroads, she picked another direction at random. "'She hadn't a clue of where she might go other than the markets, "'and she didn't feel much like stealing right now.' Sooner or later, it would have to be her last resort. For now, the thought of getting captured again and losing her head was enough to put her off. She rounded the corner, passing a florist decked with the imperial's favourite blossoms. Most on the outside display were browning or dead, very few of them native to the southern continent and about as used to the intense heat as Song was herself. Even though she'd only moments before decided to postpone her larcenous ways, she reconsidered upon spotting a plump succulent amongst the dried fronds of northern plants. It was well known all such flora were rich and packed with what she most craved at that moment. Water. She could almost hear her dry lips creaking, made all the drier by the prospect of the moisture inside the thick body of the plant. "'You didn't die, then?' The annoying timbre of Finger's voice cut through Song like a knife. "'I saw the guard cutting you off. Bet myself a red apple you wouldn't lose your head. Didn't imagine the turnaround would be this quick, though.' Song shuddered at the sudden arrival of the boy and drew back her arm, which had been subtly reaching for the succulent, even without a conscious decision to steal it. She mentally damned herself for letting him sneak up on her. The boy was harmless, but anyone else could have taken similar advantage of her numbed state of mind. It wasn't as if fingers was particularly subtle, with the way he lazily scuffed his feet in the dirt. No, I didn't die, she snapped, instantly incensed. It was the boy's fault she had been sent to the justice in the first place. Yes, she had been stealing from the roadside cleric, but the altercation with the boy had drawn the guard's attention and led to her arrest. She spun on her heel, ready to slap some respect into the grubby little street rat, but the sight of what he held stopped her dead. Glossy red with a waxy sheen, was the fattest, juiciest apple she had seen in all her days. The boy had taken a few bites from it, exposing two dark pips and flesh that looked nearly pure white under the beating sun. A bead of juice seeped from the flesh and rolled onto the red peel, dodging between teeth marks and pores in the skin. "'Give me that apple!' she insisted, taking a step towards him. "'What? No! I want it fair and square!' He balked at her advancement, but didn't seem to comprehend how desperate she had become. Give it to me now, she asserted again, taking another step. If Song had the capacity for reason, she might not have had a second altercation with the boy, but hunger and thirst occupied her almost entirely. She lurched forwards and snatched the fruit. What in the hells? Fingers recoiled, clutching the apple close to his chest, hoping that if she couldn't just grab it, that Song would give up. It didn't stop her. She forced both hands around his own, slipped her fingers under his and prized open his grip. Get off! The apple was wrenched loose and slipped from both their clutches to land on the dusty ground. It rolled over twice, stopping with its exposed flesh skywards, the perfect white marred by smirches of earth and specks of sand. Song was upon it like a cat on a mouse, sparing no time in taking a bite. The earth was chalky and the grit crunched between her teeth, but the flavour was like nothing she had ever tasted. It was the single most satisfying bite of anything she had ever taken. What did you do that for? Fingers wiped juice off his hand onto his shirt. I'd have... The boy looked up, distracted by something. Song turned around, still devouring the apple like a rabid dog, barely stopping to take a breath. A few people in the crossroads had stopped at the sight of a foreigner attacking a young boy. Others seemed to be hurrying for the guard. One larger gentleman was headed straight towards them. Song understood that he intended to restrain her. Her only destination after that would be back to the justice. She scrambled up from the animalistic heap she had made of herself. "'We need to get out of here!' Fingers bolted, adding, "'I know where to go! Follow me!' Song hesitated a moment, unsure whether to trust in the boy." but it wasn't long before she was after him down the street. She tossed the apple stalk away and tried to chew the last morsel around already heavy breaths. As she followed fingers around a corner, she tripped over a marketeer's broom and spat the precious flesh in a fan of juice and bits. Staggering upright, she found fingers weaving between wicker baskets set in a display outside a shop and dashed after him. Keeping up with the boy was an effort. He was incredibly fast and agile, and her body was fit to drop. Even keeping him in her eyeline was proving a challenge. So adept was he at skidding under cloth-draped tables and hopping between antiques. When she felt like she was finally about to give in and collapse, she rounded a corner to find him waiting for her, casual as anything and not at all out of breath. She stopped, bracing herself on her thighs to keep upright, her breaths heavy and painful in the back of her dry throat. "'Do you think we're far enough?' She looked warily around the alleyway. Bins were piled high with stinking refuse. Crooked doors that led into the backs of buildings were all secured tightly. She suspected a trap and looked back to see if the guards had cornered her already. Nobody had. We'll be all right in here. Fingers moved to a narrow door and produced a key. It was the only doorway for thirty feet in either direction, set into the towering stucco walls of a large, unoccupied residence. A safe house! "'Song smiled, feeling the relief wash over her. "'Something like that, yeah.' "'He unlocked the door and shunted it open with his foot. "'The door was tight in the frame, but swung back smoothly once freed. "'It thumped against the wall inside, making Song wince. "'This was the boy's safe house, and he seemed calm enough. "'But his carelessness might alert the guards. "'Come on, then.' "'The boy held the door open for her to follow. "'Hesitantly, she ducked inside.' The place was so decrepit and pitiful that after internal inspection her apprehension was laughable. She would have never thought before that she could get so run down as to be frightened of a young cripple boy. Then again, anyone could be dangerous with a knife, even a one-armed waif-like fingers. Or a doe-eyed foreigner, she grinned, splitting her dry lips, reminded of the executioner. He hadn't suspected her and had only just escaped with his life. Inches closer and she would have skewered his lung. The door slammed closed and fingers turned the key in the lock. Song pivoted around to keep an eye on him. "'Lovely place you have here,' she noted sarcastically in the gloom. There were great swathes of sand and heaps of wood and moth-bitten fabric that might once have made poor excuses of furniture. Light bled in palely through windows blocked out with pasted-on parchment. There wasn't a single ornament or decoration in sight, just bare floorboards and dust. "'Was your cell any better?' Fingers smirked. "'We're not in yet!' The boy moved to the next room, a small corridor. It was narrow and even dustier, acting as a wind tunnel between two broken windows. The corners were all banked with sand. It might once have been a servant's passage in the large house, and terminated in a disused kitchen stacked with rusty pans. It seemed even despite the arid air, the sea breeze prevailed enough to expedite the perishing of metals. Fingers didn't continue into the kitchen, however, instead crouching down and digging his fingers into a crack in the floorboards. With great effort and a low grunt, he hefted open a hatch that had previously been hidden by a covering of sand. "'They say this place was once a smuggler's den.' Fingers looked up at her, a proud smile spread across his face. "'No guards will ever find us down here.' Whether he had expected Song to be impressed or not, the response he got was less than satisfactory. As she peered down into the stone-lined tunnel, she grimaced overtly, wiping away his pride. She could imagine fingers crawling into the tight space and curling up in his ragged clothes. She didn't much like the prospect of joining him. The space could just as likely be an old sewer as anything else. It's nicer inside, he assured her, and promptly hopped down and indicated for her to follow. Song didn't much feel like going into this urchin's little hovel. But she had come this far, and there was always the prospect he had a stash of food and drink inside. She followed him down, hopping into the tunnel that was even more cramped than she had first expected. Her head and shoulders actually stuck out of the hatch. Close it, then! We don't want anyone following us! Obediently, she slid the boards overhead, crouching as she did so. The cramped tunnel grew darker, but she could see a distant light at the far end of the descending passageway. It seemed the boy had a better hideout than she first expected. At least it was a light. She started to imagine a little room at the end, filled with all of his stolen trinkets. There might be fine cushions and blankets, bottles of rich wine, and... She stopped herself there. It was pointless to raise her hopes any higher than a dusty old sewer. Fingers bounded ahead like some three-legged monkey. He was faster than Song, who had stooped awkwardly and was unwilling to touch any of the stained sandstone. As he drew further away, he blocked more of the precious light and she had to stumble to keep up. Unwilling to trip over anything in the dark and end up face first in some mummified faeces, she allowed her hands to steady her against the mercifully dry brickwork. Here we are, fingers proclaimed as he entered the larger space. Song fumbled after him, watching her footing in drifts of sand. As she approached the end of the tunnel, her fingers curled around the edge of the last brick and she pulled herself out. She stood up straight and squinted at the sudden brightness of the well-lit room. "'What is this?' she asked, scowling. The room was vast, cross-shaped, with a vaulted stone ceiling and expensive fabric drapes covering most of the walls. The floor had been swept and was clear save for the sand she and Fingers had just trailed in. She couldn't see into the large alcoves on the left and right, but at the far side of the room was a door. She suspected it led back up to the surface in a more dignified fashion than the one Fingers had chosen for their arrival. At the centre of the room was a thick, wooden table, strewn with parchments and large enough to seat maybe sixteen people? There was a man sat there, poring over some diagrams. At the sight of the pair of them, he dipped his head in greeting, mumbled something like, "'Fingers?' and returned to his work. As he dipped a nib pen in ink and scratched a few notes, A metal band affixed around his wrist clunked dully against the wood. "'It's my guild!' Fingers cocked an eyebrow. "'Don't you remember me telling you? The Thieves' Guild?' Song remembered what he had told her, that once signed up to the guild, they would take a percentage of whatever she stole. It was some foul scheme to introduce taxes into the professions that Imperial clerics couldn't venture. She sneered at the thought, and was about to give Fingers a piece of her mind— but stopped as she saw the contents of a large rack at the far end of the room. Ropes and tools and hooks had been arranged meticulously on a board. Drawers had been marked with labels detailing contents, picks, keys, files and pry bars. Arranged there were all the tools necessary for high-profile theft. She imagined these people could break into a prison if coordinated well enough, but that wasn't her concern. These tools would be exactly what she needed to bypass the city wall and escape her foul fate entirely. Once out of the city walls, she could cross the border into Jira, where the Empire wasn't so influential. She might then be able to get her welded shackle removed. "'I remember,' she tried to hide the distaste for the place. "'It's a lot nicer than you made it out to be.' "'Everyone comes here sooner or later, when they have a debt to the Empire.' Fingers moved towards the table. You're just lucky I got you here sooner. This is the best place in the city. Best place in the whole damned country, the man at the table corrected before returning to his papers. Song took stock of him as his eyes darted up to hers. He didn't look like much of a thief. Old, far too old. He might have been nearly seventy, and not at all suited to a thief's life with his little round spectacles and hunching spine. His face was long like a horse's, with long vertical wrinkles as if he had been stretched like vellum. His ears were like conch shells, but bristled with grey hair and great distended lobes. She cringed at the sight of him. This is the best place for making money anywhere, Fingers continued. Do well here and you'll have that, what was it, 50,000 gold pieces? Yes, Song scowled. Not entirely interested in his spiel, but surprised by his accurate approximation. She was far more concerned with the glinting grappling hook hanging on the tool display and how she might acquire it for herself. Perhaps if she pretended to join the little club, she could set out on her first theft, then scale the wall and be gone. Simple as that. fifty thousand Hells Bells. A large squat man, whose song hadn't previously seen, interrupted. He was in one of the shaded alcoves, almost entirely enveloped in plump cushions, smoking something fruit-scented from a small clay pipe. Akin to the man sat at the desk, he also had a metal band affixed around his wrist. "'I've only got, sir. Uh... He started counting increments of a thousand on fat, hairy fingers, adorned with too many rings. Song spied the staining to his flesh instantly realising that all the gold he adorned himself with was just some amateur metallurgist's fakery. "'32,000,' he announced. "'I've already given up at that.' Is that all that bad?' fingers countered, but didn't offer any reason as to why. It was clear he was trying to keep the mood upbeat for Song's sake, but she wasn't having any of it. As far as she was concerned, as soon as she had filled her stomach with food and water, she would be gone from this place forever.' Little glowing embers fluttered from the clay pipe as a squat man harumphed. Ash settled in his black and grey beard and all but disappeared. He sank lower into the cushions, the dark tones of his skin, expensive patterned shirt and round belly helping him blend seamlessly with the shaded, plump cushions. "'Don't mind him,' the elderly man commented, looking up from his papers. "'He's a total!' the man cocked his head, seeming to hear a distant noise. Song wondered exactly how much better it made a man's hearing to have such flapping lobes and sprouting ears. Quite a lot, it seemed, as she couldn't hear anything. She's coming, he said offhandedly. Here to see the new recruit, I'd imagine. New recruit, Song blustered before remembering her decided fiction. Yes, new recruit. Footsteps came within earshot. A purposeful clock, clock of expensive woman's footwear that seemed entirely out of place in the dusty cellar amongst a maimed boy, old man, and overweight addict. She squared her shoulders, stood up straight, and set her hands at her sides. She had been cradling her shackled arm without even realising it until that point. She wanted to look strong, dependable, and trustworthy. Fingers took a seat at the table to study whatever the old man had been scrawling. Song remained stood, waiting for this leader of the thieves to arrive as the footsteps stopped just beyond the door a faint humming could be heard and a rustling of fabrics song tried to look casual moved behind fingers and peered down at the papers as if interested at all in the guild's business she waited for the new arrival for what felt like entirely too long then the door opened allowing the joyful humming to spill inside now then how are my fine reprobates getting along today? made any money for the guild yet paid off your debts to society Song looked up as the familiar tone sent a shiver through her. Stood in the doorway, vast ball of red-black curls lolling to one side under the pressure of the lintel, robes of state tossed over one arm, was the Chief Justice. "'Ah, Song!' she smiled sweetly. "'So pleased you could make it!'